The infamous racist NASCAR news is fake news. Jimmy Kimmel issues a passive-aggressive apology, and we explore the best-selling book in America on white fragility. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy. Protect it at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So indeed, fake news. But you know, no news is good news. Here's the thing. There are a bunch of people online who are very, very upset that it turns out that Bubba Wallace's news was, in fact, not a news, that Bubba Wallace's news was, in fact, just a pull-down string at the garage. Now, listen, behind closed doors and privately, I had my doubts that the story was real from the very, very beginning. But I was hesitant to voice those doubts because, after all, NASCAR, which is a major organization, had backed the story. And and NASCAR should know. I mean, they have cameras in all of the garages. You think they have those multi-million dollar engines over there and they don't have cameras in the garages. They have cameras in all the garages. They know all of their staffers. Presumably, they had done some sort of internal investigation and found that the story was legit in order to parrot it and make it, you know, the number one story in the world. Or alternatively, they were duped. Or alternatively, they are just unbelievably full of crap and decided to go woke or go broke and simply believe whatever story Bubba Wallace told them. So wherever the story came from, the story was promulgated. And the story now that is, is being promulgated is that Bubba Wallace really didn't know what was going on from the very beginning. Bubba Wallace was told that there was a noose in his locker and he didn't really check it out. And then he repeated the story and all this. And listen, I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt until the point where they completely blow the benefit of the doubt. And at this point, I feel like NASCAR has blown the benefit of the doubt. I feel like Bubba Wallace has blown the benefit of the doubt. And this feels a lot like everybody decided to, lump, to, to jump to a, a ridiculous conclusion based on non-evidence and based on an obvious, based on something that obviously was not a news, in order to promulgate a particular narrative, like I, I always say, attribute to stupidity virtually everything and malice virtually nothing. I'm having a real hard time on this one. I'm having a real hard time not attributing to malice what happened here because again, NASCAR has cameras there. I mean, I tweeted out about this because NASCAR had said that it happened, then NASCAR should you know release the footage and then prosecute whoever did it. Right, the person should be prosecuted. Well, NASCAR must have known all along. It turns out that the noose was not, in fact, a noose. It was the pull string on a garage. It was the pull that had been there for a year before this. I mean, could NASCAR have been this ignorant? Could Bubba Wallace have been this ignorant that he was just traipsing through the daisies here, basically singing the song that that NASCAR had written for him? Or is it possible that Bubba Wallace kind of knew that this was BS all along and decided to exaggerate it? So again, I'm willing to grant people the benefit of the doubt. I was willing to grant NASCAR the benefit of the doubt until they lost the benefit of the doubt. And even last night, after this story came out, I was willing to grant Bubba Wallace the benefit of the doubt that he was told by NASCAR there was a noose in his locker and then he or in his garage. And then he saw a picture and kind of like a noose. And he was like, well, if NASCAR says that that's the case, then probably that's the case. And that's that's really upsetting. And then Bubba Wallace went on national TV and decided that he was going to double down on this after the FBI investigation. And at that point, you know what? His sincerity is in question. At that point, I have to think to myself, well, maybe he knew all along this wasn't really what it appeared to be. And he decided to go along with it anyway. So here was the statement that NASCAR released last night that they released quietly. First of all, this came after people online, right? the online researchers did some very easy research where they showed pictures of the garages last year. And what they showed is drawstrings on the garage, right? the pull strings on the garage door that were shaped like a hand, basically like a handhold. They were were not really looking like a noose so much as you know a drawstring that you pull down on a garage like everyone has in their garage in America, like that. The Wood Brothers Racing Group put up a a statement saying, we are thankful there was no one involved in perpetrating hate during this week's race. Just like the rest of the NASCAR garage, we were shocked and appalled to learn of the existence of the rope fashioned like a noose. One of our employees alerted us yesterday morning that without knowing the details of the incident, he recalled seeing a tied handle in the garage pull-down rope from last fall. We immediately alerted NASCAR and have assisted the investigation in every way possible. What transpired over the past day is a plus is a unity that has only served to strengthen the bonds between each and every crew member, fan and non-fan alike, the Wood Brothers organization is proud to stand with Bubba Wallace and the entire industry as we work to make every race fan a part of our NASCAR family. Okay, now that would all be well and good if NASCAR had waited to jump to this conclusion and then spread it as the number one news story in America and proclaim that this was indicative of broad and deep American racism. I pointed out yesterday, by the way, that even if there had been a noose in the garage, the fact that every single driver and pit crew in NASCAR marched with Bubba Wallace to the front of Talladega Motor Speedway was a pretty good indicator that the person who did it was an outlier. Now it turns out the entire thing was bullcrap from beginning to end. And now we're supposed to believe that this is a unifying incident as opposed to, um, guys, somebody did something wrong here. Here's what NASCAR said. The FBI 
has completed its investigation at Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. The FBI report concludes, and photographic evidence confirms, that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose had been positioned there since as early as last fall. This was obviously well before the 43 team's arrival and garage assignment. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all who love racing. Okay, and that should be, by the way, the normal reaction to this should be, oh, that's good that there wasn't a racist incident in NASCAR. I mean, the guy just called for a massive change and NASCAR just went along with it as far as Confederate flags. It's kind of good to know that there wasn't a massive racist incident. But it seems that there are many people who are very disappointed today, namely people who are looking for a supply of racism that is actually a little bit short for what they are looking for at this point. I've said before that the demand for racist incidents in order to promulgate the narrative that America is deeply racist and covered with racism stem to stern, that the demand for, for that much racism is not met by the supply of racism. Well, if it were met by the supply of racism, you wouldn't have to manufacture incidents like this one into national stories or cling to the story once it had been completely debunked. And yet there are people who are completely clinging to the story after it is debunked. So let us just remember, let's take a trip down memory lane over the last 72 hours. Bubba Wallace went on national TV yesterday. This is yesterday morning. And he said, this was a despicable act of racism. And then suggested that anyone who doubted the story was a racist. So if you doubted the story, you were racist. Now, I didn't express doubt about it again, because now, at least not publicly, because again, NASCAR had basically put out a statement. I figured, okay, NASCAR is a major organization with internal deliberative bodies and, and, uh, and they're a massive corporation. They probably had done an investigation. They probably couldn't be this stupid. Well, it turns out wrong I was, wrong I was, but you can ask my producer Colton. Behind closed doors, I was a little skeptical that this thing was actually a noose placed in Bubba Wallace's garage. The reason I was skeptical is not because I don't think there are bad people who are racist out there. It's because we've seen probably in my lifetime, in the last five, 10 years alone, probably a dozen cases of people claiming that a noose was left as a racist symbol. And all of them, so far as I'm aware, turned out to be bullcrap. We had one in the last two weeks, right? We had one in Oakland where a black guy put up some ropes on a tree so that people could use them for exercise. And the Oakland mayor, Libby Schaff, then launched a hate crime investigation suggesting that the, the, the intent of the ropes didn't matter, only the impact of the ropes matter. And she was going to investigate it anyway, even though a black guy had put up things that didn't look anything like nooses. So whenever I hear a news story, my first reaction is, well, maybe we should wait for you know all the evidence to come out, unless a giant major organization backs the story. Well, now I'm just going to go with, okay, I'm just going to doubt it, no matter whether a giant organization backs the story or not. Anyway, Wallace went on national TV, and not only did he say this was a despicable act of racism, he said anyone calling it a hoax is a racist. If you even had doubts, you were a racist. People are entitled to their own opinion to make them feel good, whatever, make them help them sleep at night. It's just, uh, it's just unfortunate circumstances and in a terrible time that we're in right now. Year 2020 will be one year to for sure forget um moving forward but you know it's 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 simple-minded people like that the ones that are afraid of change um they they use everything in their power to defend what they stand up for and instead of trying to listen and understand uh what's going on simple-minded people afraid of change those are the people who are who are doubting the story about the the news in the in in the garage and then he suggested that anyone who, who called it a hoax or staged was a racist and if you said that it was a hoax or a stage, then you were also a, a racist as well. So good stuff here from Bubba Wallace. This was all before the report came out. And again, I was willing to grant him the benefit of the doubt even here. Right? I was willing to go along with this. Okay, well, maybe he didn't know. I mean, at the time, he'd been told by NASCAR, presumably, that there was a noose in his garage. So you know, maybe he believed the same thing that I believe, maybe. And then you had people like Jamel Hill, right? Jamel Hill, who has declared all of American society root to branch racist. Everything is racist. Jamel Hill, she said yesterday that the news was a reminder of who the sport was for, not the giant numbers of people, drivers and, and pit members who are walking with Bubba Wallace. The news was the reminder of, of who the sport was for, said Jamel Hill yesterday. NASCAR, they've had to deal with maybe not directly nooses and stalls, but the shadow of the Confederate flag being considered a symbol that you often saw at NASCAR races these very overt reminders about who this sport is exactly for and who should be a fan of this sport. Um, this is something that they've been dealing with a long time. And unfortunately, in this way, these issues bubble to the surface. In this way, they bubble to the surface. They just do that. Right now, as I mentioned on the show, the, the way that we do conversations in this country is maybe the dumbest way to do conversations ever, which is 
We wait for a flashpoint incident, and then we attribute it to a broader system. Right? This is what the left likes to do. They, they wait for a flashpoint incident, and then they attribute it to a broader system. So instead of citing statistics or disparities that are based on, on things that are not behaviorally explainable, instead what they will do is they will say, noose in Bubba Wallace's garage, this means all NASCAR fans are racist, right? which is just insane. Even if there was a noose in Bubba Wallace's garage, which there was not, then that would not mean that all NASCAR fans are racist. But that's who Jamel Hill is, and this is the way that she promotes her, her message. Now, as it turns out, we have pictures of it. The, the old drawstrings here, it was pretty obvious from anybody who had seen this thing. I mean, as soon as I saw these pictures online last night, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's a pretty credible explanation because literally people had uncovered photos from last year showing the picture of the drawstring on the garage door from last year that had the, the hand tie in it, right, that looks basically like a loop. It was just a hand loop. And then they showed the picture the next year and the hand loop was missing. It was a shorter rope, so it looked as though it had been cut. Hey, now, again, I was willing to grant Bubba Wallace the, the benefit of the doubt here. Right? You can see in that picture, there is the, there is the hand hold in the, in the rope, and then the very next year, it's just gone because somebody had cut it off for whatever reason. Okay, before Bubba Wallace got there, long before Bubba Wallace got there. Okay, so I was willing to grant everybody the benefit of the doubt. Everybody was acting in good faith and had good intentions. Then Bubba Wallace went on Don Lemon's show last night. And Bubba Wallace on Don Lemon's show decided to not only stick with the story, but to double down on the story after the release of the NASCAR statement on the FBI report. So Bubba Wallace said, no, 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 It's a straight up noose. Straight up, a noose. No, it isn't. The FBI deployed 15 agents, 15 to investigate this, 15 agents. So as my colleague Matt Walsh has pointed out, we've got protesters tearing down federally put up statues all over the United States. Nobody's doing anything about it. A guy supposedly finds a noose in his garage, and we deploy 15 FBI agents to investigate it. Clearly, we're not taking racism seriously enough in this country. Then, then after it's debunked, Bubba Wallace goes out there, and he's like, no, 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 I'm not taking the debunking. It's a straight-up noose. Now, this makes me wonder whether Bubba Wallace knew all along it wasn't a noose, because up until now, I was willing to grant him the credibility of, of sincerity, right? That, that he sincerely believed that this thing was a racist symbol. But once it comes out, it's not, instead of being relieved, like, oh, good, that's great. Like, I'm not the victim of racism. It was all misinterpreted. Instead of that, he's like, no, 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 it definitely was racism. I have very little sympathy for this at this point. Okay, I will admit to you that my sympathy, my sympathy levels have dropped below zero at this point. Okay, as somebody who has been victimized by an awful lot of people saying extraordinarily anti-Semitic things, I was the number one target of anti-Semitism in the United States online in 2016. I received death threats in the mail, right? all sorts of good, wonderful stuff. I remember a specific incident. Okay, there's an incident where somebody sent a piece of mail directly to my house. And right? now my house is not registered online or anything. And so this was weird, right? When people send mail directly to my house, I'm a little suspicious. And I, like an idiot, decided to open this piece of mail. I opened the piece of mail. And in the, in the mail is a, is a folded up paper towel, basically. And the folded up paper towel, I opened it a little bit. And it looks like there's powder inside. And I think to myself, oh, good, somebody is somebody sending powder to my house. Like, that's probably not a good thing. So I call my security people. My security people check it out. They coordinate with the police. They look at it, and they decide that it actually is not, in fact, a dangerous substance. There's a note that comes along that explains what this stuff is. It's not dangerous. My immediate reaction was, oh, good. It's not somebody trying to kill me and my family. That's a good thing, right? I don't go around claiming, oh, this was another anti-Semitic incident against me. Your normal human reaction when you find out you are not a victim of a hate crime is relief. Your normal human reaction when you find out that somebody is not targeting you for destruction and hatred is, oh, good. Well, that makes my life easier. That's nice. I'm glad. I'm glad. By the way, even when I was receiving all of that hate mail, I never attributed it to the entire country. That's insane. Okay, but I certainly didn't go on national TV and then maintain that the thing was a, a piece of hate mail after I knew it was not. And yet that's exactly what Bubba Wallace did last night. I'll show you the tape because it's truly, truly incredible. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that it can be very discouraging to see the same hefty cell phone bill every single month. I mean, that's a lot of money that you're spending on your cell phone bill. And since you can't see friends and family as much as you were going to this season, that means you're spending an awful lot more on your cell phone bill. By switching to Pure Talk USA, you can cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis, starting with your wireless provider. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. The president and CEO of Pure Talk is a U.S. veteran who cares deeply about serving Americans by making wireless affordable. Start your saving today. It would be irresponsible, frankly, not to save money when you have the opportunity to do so and when it's this easy. Right now, you're paying for a lot of data that you're not using, and this is why you ought to grab Pure Talk USA instead. covers 99% of Americans, and the coverage is just as good as any of the major cell phone companies. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro for unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month, plus 
You'll get 50% off your first month right now. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk USA, it is simply smarter wireless. Go check them out right now. Okay, so as I say, my sympathy quotient for Bubba Wallace is is gone. Like my, my sympathy is gone and it's gone because he went on Tom Lemon last night after the FBI investigation found this was not a news and proceeded to double down on it and explain that it was in fact a news. Here was Bubba Wallace last night on Tom Lemon. But from the evidence that we have, um, that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can confirm that I actually got evidence of what was hanging in my garage over my car around my picker guys to confirm that it was a noose and never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. Never. How about last year when it was on the garage? I understand that that you weren't there because that, I guess that was for all stars and maybe Bob Wallace wasn't an all star. But like it was there, guys. I mean, we have pictures of it. It was a straight up noose, straight up noose. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I'm going to look around my desk right now. Oh, my. Oh, my God. What is this right here? Is it my computer cord or is it a straight up noose? Who knows? It could be anything. Hey, one FBI investigation must clear me of holding up a noose to myself. Oh, no, that's just my computer. It doesn't matter. Straight up news. Straight up. Just straight up news. Hey, by the way, it's not just Bubba Wallace who's maintaining this. Again, the desire for the story to be real is the part that's really telling here. The, the deep, abiding desire on the part of many people to make the story real is indicative, again, of a desire to paint America in a particular way. As I've said, were I supposedly victimized by an anti-Semitic incident and then I found out it was not, in fact, an anti-Semitic incident, I'd be like, great, good news, America. Good news, me. Great, good stuff. Instead, it's like, no, no, no. I've been told by the FBI it wasn't a noose. It was a noose, man. Straight up, it was a noose. Straight up. Oh, my God, what's this right here on my shoe? What could it be? I don't know. Hold on. I need to check, guys. Hold on. What What could it Ah! Okay, like, get over yourselves. Get over yourselves, people. Okay, when it's not a noose, that is the good news. No noose is good news, guys. Okay, but Jamel Hill is still maintaining... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's an absurdity. It's a, it's a damned absurdity, and it's horrible for the country. You're now maintaining that a racial incident happened when it didn't happen, when it didn't happen, and you're maintaining it, and you're pretending that it's good for the country that you're maintaining it? Al Sharpton went on national TV this morning on MSNBC, and he said this, quote, it's clear what a noose represents. Did someone know it was in the stall when they did belatedly assign Bubba there? I do not think we've seen closure in this particular inquiry. That's, that's what Al Sharpton, here's what Al Sharpton had to say. So I don't think this answers a lot of questions, and clearly from what we just saw of Bubba Wallace, it does not seem he, who is the victim and possible target in this matter, seems to be satisfied with this. So I do not think that we've seen closure in this particular uh, inquiry. I, I definitely, by the way, believe what Al Sharpton has to sell me on investigations. I definitely, I think I need the word of Al Sharpton that an event actually happened before I go any further. Because when I think of credible sources on criminal investigations, I think about the guy who faked a, a rape of a, of a young girl in the 1980s and blamed a white DA for it and ruined his life. I definitely believe Al Sharpton when it comes to this kind of stuff. Okay, I, I'm sorry, this, all sympathy has been lost. Gone, gone. It is, it is away, it has been dissipated. My sympathy levels are now zero. You're maintaining the story past the point when the story can be maintained. And Jamel Hill, by the way, you know what her response to this was? Jamel Hill tweeted out, it was a noose. They just don't believe it was directed to Bubba Wallace. Mm, what? No, that's not how any of this works. That is not how any of this works. It's not a racist symbol if it wasn't directed at Bubba Wallace and it wasn't a noose. It was a hand tie on a garage. We've, have we reached peak stupid yet? No, we have not reached peak stupid because again, the we will never reach peak stupid. It's like Zeno's paradox. The closer we get to peak stupid, the further away it still seems. And Zeno's paradox is the idea that if you keep having the distance between yourself and a goal, you'll never reach the goal because you can always divide by half. Okay, that is, that is what we have done at this point. We, are, we, are, we will never reach peak stupid. We'll just keep subdividing at Herod's breath and move forward incrementally toward peak stupid. But we will never reach peak stupid. Peak stupid is always a receding goal in the distance. And peak ugliness, because this is ugly, ugly crap. It's ugly crap. And you know what it really does? It makes people feel good in tearing down a system that they have no right to tear down. Guess what? NASCAR's infrastructure is not racist. 
Guess what? NASCAR's fan base is not racist. It is not a racist fan base. And for you to simply suggest that it's a racist fan base because you think that all Southerners are snaggled to bumpkins who hate black people is absurd. It's absurd and it demonstrates your own bias. This whole thing is ridiculous. And maintain, again, the, the, the pure unbridled evidence is you maintain a story like this after the story is over and we can all see your motivation. We can all see it at this point. I was willing to grant sincerity. I was willing to even grant mistake. But once you start maintaining the credibility of a story, once the story has been completely debunked by the FBI, I don't think you're sincere anymore. I just think that you're pushing a narrative on the back of crap. That's what I think. And I think mainly you're doing it to make yourself feel good. I think that's mainly what's going on here. And the alacrity with, what, with which white progressives have glommed onto this kind of stuff is truly incredible. It really is amazing. I, I want to talk here about, you know, not the Jamel Hills or the Al Sharptons or people who make a living off of polarizing people on race. I want to talk about why so many people go along with this, because I think it really is kind of important. It's kind of important. Basically, a cult has been formed among progressive white woke people. And that cult is that the standards for declaring somebody racist have changed and they will continue to change and you will be made to bow before the mob. And that's incredibly dangerous for the country. We're watching that happen all over the country right now. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that right now, you may be putting on the Pandemic 15. A lot of people have been talking about you putting on <laughs> the Pandemic 15 because you're sitting at home, you can't go to the gym anymore, and it's depressing, and you're stuck in your house, and so you're just sitting on the couch listening to the show and munching on the munching on the Lay's potato chips. Well, getting in shape does not have to be about losing a specific amount of weight or a magic number on the scale. It's about building healthier habits. Here's the thing. You can't lose all of the weight in one day, and you can't get healthier just in one day. You have to change your entire system of habits. And this means that you should be using Noom. I've been using Noom myself. As you can see, I am svelte and lean and gorgeous. And that is because I've been using Noom. So have my parents. Noom is a great way of changing your habits. It's a habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom will teach you why you do the things you do and empower you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Noom doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. It teaches you how to look inside your own mind and make better decisions for yourself. Chat with your goal specialist in Noom community to get and help give and give help to people going through the exact same things. You don't have to change it all in one day. All in one day, small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's noom.com slash Shapiro. Again, noom.com slash Shapiro to start that trial today. Again, what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash Shapiro. Start your trial today. That's noom.com slash Shapiro. Noom.com slash Shapiro to sign up for your trial today. Okay, so meanwhile, we have seen the white progressives leading the way in all of this. Right, declaring their fealty to the to the woke cause. And as I've been suggesting for weeks at this point, what started off as perhaps a good-hearted quest to, to curb police brutality has now morphed into basically race baiters taking advantage and white woke people feeling good about themselves. And that is how you end up with video like this. And there's a lot of video like this. So yesterday in Washington, D.C., white women yelling at black police officers. I mean, th this is... Again, fairly typical, unfortunately, of a lot of these protests. This is white women yelling at black police officers. Always a good look. You're white and you're telling this to two black police officers. Yeah. Do you see the problem with that a little bit? Um, no, I don't because, you know what, just because I'm white and I haven't experienced racism myself doesn't mean I can't fight for justice. They're a part of the system. They're a part of the problem. Just because they're black doesn't mean they're not a part of the problem. Gotcha. I'm allowed to say this to whoever. Because I'm white, racism is a white person's problem. Yep. Racism is my problem. I need to fix it. Racism is her problem. She needs to fix it. That is the most paternalistic statement I've ever heard in my entire life. Racism is her problem. And just because I haven't experienced racism and just because I don't know anything about racism, that doesn't mean that I can't yell at these black cops <laughs> about racism. <laughs> That's the most self-censored, arrogant nonsense I've ever seen. And again, this is, this is breaking out across the country. White women screaming at White House officers. This is something that happened yesterday, straight from their yoga class. These these Karens yelling at yelling at black police officers. I want to see the manager. Where's the manager? <laughs> Here they are. They don't care that we just have carpooling. Let's die, you. What the is wrong with you? This is the country we live in. This is it. Nothing gets dialogue done quite like screaming at police officers. 
man, the, these these white women definitely are, are very upset that they cannot buy the Lululemon pants at the proper prices. So that is that they need to speak to somebody immediately, immediately. I, I, if, if this sounds absurd, it's because it is absurd. I'm sorry. We've now reached the point where the parody has moved beyond the parody. Like you cannot do parody of this anymore. I mean, for God's sake, communists set up their own independent state in Seattle. Like, I think we've moved beyond the parody. But just when you think we've moved beyond the parody, you realize we have not moved beyond the parody. It turns out that there's an organized attempt to tomorrow tear down the Emancipation Monument in Washington, D.C., a monument established and paid for by freed slaves and the dedication of which Frederick Douglass spoke. The crowd is now cheering this. There are sitting congresspeople who are cheering, bringing down the Emancipation Monument in Washington, D.C., which is a monument of Abraham Lincoln, and he is standing sort of over and with his hands out to a freed black slave. It was recently turned the monument to face a black educator. So it shows Lincoln paying deference to a black educator now in terms of proximity to other monuments. And they're talking about bringing that down. So that's exciting stuff. Also in Wisconsin, a group of protesters, again, largely white, have decided that it was necessary to pull down a series of Capitol Hill statues. According to the, the, the Journal Sentinel online, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Fury exploded outside the Wisconsin state capitol on Tuesday night as protesters smashed windows at the state house, attacked a state senator, and tore down two iconic statues, including one of an abolitionist who died trying to end slavery during the Civil War. The unrest began earlier Tuesday following the arrest of a black man who was arrested after bringing a megaphone and a baseball bat into a Capitol Square restaurant. It followed weeks of mostly peaceful protests of the death of George Floyd. Okay, mostly peaceful protests is like, it's, it's just the greatest euphemism in history. It's the greatest euphemism, mostly peaceful protests. They shut down the entire city of Los Angeles at 6 p.m. for a week because of mostly peaceful protests. Okay, if I spend 23 hours and 59 minutes of my day being mostly peaceful, and then I abuse my child, that was not a mostly peaceful day, guys. That was a day in which I did something bad. Okay, that's it. That's a day in which I deserve to go to jail. If I protest all day, and then I walk into a Capitol Square restaurant carrying a baseball bat and apparently threatening people, that was not a mostly peaceful day, gang. During the melee late on Tuesday, Democratic State Senator Tim Carpenter, he's a Democrat, was assaulted after taking a photo of protesters. He said, I don't know what happened. All I did was stop and take a picture. The next thing I'm getting five, six punches, getting kicked in the head. Protesters chanting for the release of the man who'd been arrested earlier also broke glass at the Tommy Thompson Center on West Washington Avenue, smashed windows and lights at the state capitol, and set a small fire at the Dane County Jail before police arrived just before 1 a.m. In Madison, statues of the Wisconsin motto forward, which, by the way, is a, it's a progressive statue. It was a statue that was erected originally in order to pay homage to the broadening of voting rights in the state of Wisconsin. It was commissioned by Wisconsin women and sculpted by Wisconsin women and designed explicitly as a symbol of progressivism in the first state to ratify the 19th Amendment, allowing women the right to vote. Okay, and they ripped, that, they, they ripped it down. They ripped it down in Madison. They also ripped down a monument of Colonel Hans Christian Hegg, who was an anti-slavery activist who fought and died for the Union during the U.S. Civil War. His 100-year-old sculpture was decapitated and thrown into a Madison lake by the protesters. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous and insane how Governor Tony Evers, Democrat, had not intervened in this is just, it, it, it does say everything. It does say everything. So well done, everybody. Just all good stuff. Meanwhile, over in Oregon, again, this is all, yeah, some of this is, is black Americans, who are like well, in terms of the protests, the, the constituency of the protests at this point, at least many of the protests that are out of control, are, are not black Americans. There are some black Americans among the crowd. Largely, this is white Americans. I mean, look at the pictures. You can see that it's mostly white Americans who are doing this sort of stuff at this point. And it's like these woke college students who are off on break because of COVID-19, and they've decided to get active and prove to everybody how non-racist they are. They all read Right Fragility by Robin DiAngelo and decided to interrupt the system. I'll explain what exactly all that bullcrap means in just a few minutes here. But I'm not done with my rundown on the complete meltdown of the white woke progressive left. It's incredible. I mean, it truly is. We'll get to more of it in just one second. First, you know, we all have dreams we do. Like some of us want to dream about having a country where people are not tearing down every statue in sight. Some of us just want to dream about a time we can go outside to a restaurant. But the, the big dreams, those are kind of hard to talk about. Or those are all small dreams. The big dreams, those are, those are hard to talk about. Like if we say them out loud, well, maybe they won't come true. But when it comes to your future, you do have to dream big. The bigger, the better. And the dream of a better tomorrow does start with better education. And that means getting a degree from Ashford University. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real world skills from real world experience and online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home, 
or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like Business Administration, Healthcare Administration, and Psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford will give you the tools you need to help make your dreams a reality. So dare to dream big. Your tomorrow does start today at Ashford University. There is no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Head on over to ashford.edu slash Ben. That is ashford.edu slash Ben. A-S-H-F-O-R-D dot E-D-U slash Ben. Ashford dot E-D-U slash Ben. Not all programs available in all states. Okay, so we are watching the simultaneous destruction of America's common history, our philosophy of equal rights before law, and our culture that suggests that rights are paramount. I talk about all this in my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. No, I'm not a prophet. I just looked at what was going on in December, January and figured this is probably going to happen. And then it did, in fact, happen. You can go check out that book. It's available on pre-order over at Amazon uh, and anywhere else books are sold, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. But the destruction of America does, in fact, continue apace. It's not just the Wisconsin statues coming down or the attempt to take down the Emancipation Monument. Everybody is now being forced to bow before the mob. So we have Jimmy Kimmel, who's now being forced to bow before the mob, which is exciting stuff. I do love the passive-aggressive mob bowing of, of Jimmy Kimmel. So Jimmy Kimmel dressed up in blackface as Carl Malone for several sketches for The Man Show in the early 2000s. Now, I've long maintained, unlike other hypocrites, I've long maintained that if you dressed up as a particular person, that is not the same thing as dressing up as a stereotypical blackface person in 1920 designed to mock all black people. So I don't put Jimmy Kimmel in the same category as people who are doing this in 1920. And I never have. I've always thought that was an absurd comparison. You know who else has thought that? Juan Williams, who said so on my show. Right? As does everybody who has a shred of rationality, understands that there are gradations of bad here. Okay, but Jimmy Kimmel was canceled yesterday, or they tried to cancel him. But here's the problem. Jimmy Kimmel has canceled others. Right? He spent his entire career on late night basically declaring that if you're, not, if you're not properly woke, you should be canceled. You should lose your job. You should have your life ruined. Well, now Jimmy Kimmel wants to both maintain his moral authority and also apologize for having done this horribly supposedly racist thing back in the early 2000s. Also on K-Rock Radio in the mid-1990s, he did a rap album where he imitated Snoop Dogg and dropped the N-word a bunch of times. Now, if that happened to a right-winger, Jimmy Kimmel would be out there calling for that person's head. But Jimmy Kimmel doesn't want to lose his head. So instead, he says, listen, I'm woke, so leave me alone. Here was the statement Jimmy Kimmel put out. I've long been reluctant to address this, as I knew doing so would be celebrated as a victory by those who equate apologies with weakness and cheer for leaders who use prejudice to divide us. That delay was a mistake. So he's going to blame his lack of an apology on everybody else. It's everybody else's fault, guys. It's the right-wingers. It's the right-wingers. I didn't want to give them what they wanted, and so I'm, but, but I'm going to anyway. I'm going to give them what they wanted because that's just how big a man I am. This is the most passive-aggressive bullcrap ever. He's on K-Rock Radio in the mid-'90s. I did a recurring impression of the NBA player Carl Malone. In the late-'90s, I continued impersonating Malone on TV. We hired makeup artists to make me look as much like Malone as possible. I never considered that this might be seen as anything other than an imitation of a fellow human being, one that had, done no, that had no more to do with Carl's skin color than it did his bulging muscles and bald head. I've done dozens of impressions of famous people, including Snoop Dogg, Oprah, Eminem, Dick Vitale, Rosie, and many others. In each case, I thought of them as impersonations of celebrities and nothing more, because that's what they were, obviously. But he has to buy into the new woke standard, and so he must prostrate himself before the mob. Instead of just saying, listen, I was imitating a celebrity, get over it. Instead of doing that, it's, no, 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 I want the woke mob. I, I root for the woke mob that is now calling for my head. I root for them. I want them to continue their righteous work on behalf of social justice. I believe I have evolved and matured over the last 20 plus years, says, says Jimmy Kimmel. And I hope it is evident to anyone who watches my show. I know this will not be the last I hear of this and that it will be used again to try to quiet me. Oh, it will be used to try to quiet you, will it? Aha. So he likes to bully everybody else, but he's afraid that he will be bullied into silence. He says, I love this country too much to allow that. I won't be bullied into silence by those who feign outrage to advance their oppressive and genuinely racist agendas. So in other words, I did a bad thing. It's everybody else's fault. And if you say that I should be held to the same standard to which I hold everybody else, I say, no, I will not be held to that same standard. You can't silence me. I can only silence everybody else. I can only silence everybody else. That is not an apology, by the way. That is Jimmy Kimmel passive aggressively attacking everybody he doesn't like and then pretending to apologize in the process, of course, but reestablishing his moral authority because he has internalized his, has internalized his sin. And you'll be forced to internalize your sin. You will. You'll be forced to internalize your sin or you shall pay the price. You shall pay the price. Uh, the white woke left making the country worse one story at a time. I have a couple more white woke left stories. And then I want to explore for just a second where all this bull crap is coming from, where this is coming from. And, and it is, it's coming from such a place of arrogance and self-centeredness, such a place of paternalism. The idea that black Americans do not have agency and so they need 
white woke people to save them. They need white woke, white, I mean, these people have a white savior complex beyond belief, right? They need Jimmy Kimmel out there on the front line speaking on behalf of black people. And if they don't have Jimmy Kimmel, well, no one else can fill that gap. Like here, you, you want to know how ridiculous this is? If they got rid of Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow and they replaced Jimmy Kimmel with a black guy saying all of the same woke stuff, would that be a victory for social justice? According to social justice warriors, it would, right? Because presumably late night would now be more diverse. Is Jimmy Kimmel giving up his job to a woke black person who can mirror the same messages, but also can claim to have experienced racism, which Jimmy Kimmel never has? Of course, he's not going to do that. His voice is just too important, you see. His voice is just too important. White woke leftists are just too important to give up their positions of power in America because it's, it's white people's problem. See, here's the thing. When you make racism white people's problem, what you are really doing is suggesting that only white people have the solution, which is to say only white people should have the power to change the system, which is to say that black people don't have the power to change the system and black people don't have agency in their own lives. Right? That, is the, that is the argument that is being made by the white woke left. It is the most self-flattering, self-aggrandizing argument ever, ever. And it also leads to paternalistic garbage policy, as we will see in just one second. But first, let's talk about the fact that companies and businesses, they're under a lot of stress right now as they begin to reopen, but many of them are looking to hire, like right now. And there are a lot of people who are out of work right now. Good news, ZipRecruiter exists to help just these people, also to help businesses like mine get rid of the employees who ought to be gotten rid of and to replace them with better employees. I'm not gonna mention any particular names. I'm not gonna mention any particular names. Hiring can be difficult, but if you're a company that's currently trying to hire, you face new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role. Housing Wire could relate. They needed an ambitious reporter to cover news stories on the U.S. mortgage and housing market, so they did what everyone should do. They turned to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day, which is how Housing Wire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra never imagined she could get a reporter job in the midst of COVID-19 because hiring was frozen and the idea of looking for a job was discouraging. So she created a profile on ZipRecruiter and ZipRecruiter then matched Alexandra to Housing Wire's reporter job. ZipRecruiter helped Alexandra find the right job and they can help you find the right job and they can help you find the right employee. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it right now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. We use Daily, Daily Wire uses ZipRecruiter ourselves, obviously, when we are seeking to fill positions. Go check them out right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to get started. Okay, in just a second, we are going to get to the rest of the white woke's left, woke left's bad policy and the cultish attempts to purge the white woke left of all of, un, all of the unbelievers. And then I want to talk a little bit about the root ideology of this and where it is coming from. Best expressed in Robin D'Angelo's garbage book, White Fragility, which is topping all of the bestseller lists, this crazy cult leader. I mean, she really is. She, she sounds like a Scientologist, frankly. I mean, she's cleansing you of your racist thetans. We're going to get to that in just a moment. First, even through a pandemic, Daily Wire continues to grow. And we are looking for talented, passionate people to join our team. We do have several open positions right now. So if you ever sought to work for this show, because we have positions open in production and marketing roles, head on over to dailywire.com slash careers to apply and then be abused by me in a new ZipRecruiter ad. If you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to dailywire.com. It's a great value for only three bucks a month when you sign up. You get that first month for only 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, access to exclusive editorials like this one. Drew has a, a brand new satire, Andrew Clavin. Roger Goodell wants to include Colin Kaepernick and his plans to transform the NFL into a distant memory. <laughs> also, I have a brand new column out today on the facts that the only good people who have ever lived live today. It's very, very exciting stuff. So if you want to read about all of that, you need a Reader's Pass. If you haven't checked out the Reader's Pass already, go to dailywire.com and sign up for just a buck, just $1. Go check it out right now at dailywire.com. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so other white woke stories. This ends with bad policy. It ends with purges and bad policy. It ends with a couple of things. Uh, a completely divided country, which obviously we are seeing, and also purges and also bad policy. Because all you have to do is claim that somebody is racist and not in line with the mob thinking, and then all of the, all of the nuance goes away and the person can simply be purged from polite society. There's an amazing story out by Jonathan Chait over at New York Magazine today called An Elite Progressive Listserv Melts Down Over a Bogus Racism Charge. On May 28th, progressive election data analyst David Shore tweeted about a new paper by Princeton professor Omar Wasseau showing that peaceful civil rights protests moved public opinion toward protesters, while violent protests had the opposite effect. The tweet violated a taboo in some left-wing quarters against criticizing violent protests and led within days to his firing. What happened after that was even more bizarre. On June 11th, says Jonathan Chait, I wrote an article briefly describing Shore's tweet and firing. Four days later, Progress Files, a list served for left-of-center data analyst, 
kicked Shore off. In a message to the group, the moderators described his tweet as racist and further accused him of having encouraged harassment of another member of the list. The racist tweet simply summarized the findings of the study, which said that if you violently protest, it shifts people away from your cause. Well, if you peacefully protest, it tends to shift people toward your cause, which is number one, perfectly obvious, and number two, backed by data. Jonathan Chait says, I've obtained the entire thread. I'm omitting the names of contributors because they had an expectation of privacy when they contributed to it, and their identities aren't terribly relevant. It reveals, first, a cruel attempt to destroy the professional reputation of Shore by smearing him with unsubstantiated charges in front of his professional peers. Second, it suggests an unsettling fear of open inquiry within the left-of-center professional data world. Progress Files has 1,000 members, only a tiny percentage of whom participated in the discussion about Shore, many more of whom received a chilling message from his expulsion. More important, the debate offers a case study in the norms of discussing race and gender within the progressive universe. Many progressives have sidestepped the problem presented by the illiberalism of these norms, dismissing them as goofy campus pratfalls. Over the past few years, and especially the past few weeks, these norms are gaining a foothold in elite professional settings, codified by tomes like White Fragility into tightly circumscribed scripts of accusation and confession. Correct. Correct. Okay, so people are getting kicked off listservs for citing data now. I'm, I'm glad to see that, that honestly, I, honest to God, I'm getting notes from people who are extremely liberal, who disagree with me. I'm friends with them. They disagree with me on everything political, and they're saying, I'm scared out of my wits at the censorious, at the censorious cultish culture that is being promulgated in our newsrooms, online, in our journalistic establishment. Okay, it is. It, this is it's, it's cult-like behavior. It is cult-like behavior. And it results, by the way, this cult-like behavior in ridiculously insane policy. Like, for example, this policy out of Oregon. A county in Oregon is now exempting non-white people from a new order that requires face masks be worn in public. Okay, so why? To prevent racial profiling. To prevent racial profiling. Lincoln County health officials announced last week all residents must wear face coverings when in public places in which they are likely to come within six feet of another person who's not from their own household. But people of color do not have to follow the new rule if they have heightened concerns about racial profiling and harassment over wearing masks, officials said, according to the New York Post. Okay, first of all, this is blatantly illegal. You cannot have a law that applies to white people, but not black people. Second, if you want to kill black people, this is a great way to do it. Honestly, like if you want black people put at higher risk of COVID-19, tell all of them not to wear masks because of racial profiling. The masks are protective. If they're not protective, you're leaving, then why are we wearing them? That's the whole purpose of them. This is insane. Speaking of bad policy, Nancy Pelosi is trying to push her prevailing view on police reform. And because of her white woke credentials, she's suggesting that the GOP that disagrees with her is trying to re-murder George Floyd or get away with the murder of George Floyd. It's a hell of a thing to say about a bill being pushed by the GOP, co-sponsored by Senator Tim Scott, the black Republican senator from South Carolina. Nancy Pelosi, here she is. For something to happen, they're going to have to face the realities of police brutality, the rallies of the need for justice in policing, and the recognition that there are many, many good people in, in um, law enforcement, but not all, and that we have to address those concerns. Uh, so when they admit that, and, and have some suggestions that are worthy of consideration. But so far, they were trying to get away with murder, actually, the murder of George Floyd. So where is all of this coming from? Well, you met, Jonathan Chait mentions the book White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. It's topping the bestseller list. Okay, the basic idea of the book is that if you are white, you are racist. And because you are white and because you are racist, it is your responsibility to tear down the system. The book is insane. It's insane. It's a cultish piece of nonsense. It truly is. It is not an argument about changes that need to be made to the structure. It is basically, you must listen to Robin D'Angelo and pay her as a diversity trainer in order for your thetans to be removed, right? All of your unspoken sins that you haven't even committed, you have committed by dint of your white skin, and that can only be, you can only be cleansed of your thetans if you listen to Robin D'Angelo. I mean, the book is such garbage that there are many people who, again, are on the left who are looking at this and going, this is insane, like fully insane. Jesse Single and Katie Herzog have a, have a podcast uh, that is, again, a podcast from the left in which they talk at length about Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility. And their take is exactly right. This book is utterly crazy. It is the number one best-selling book in America. She was recently hosted on Jimmy Fallon. So what is in this book? I think it's imperative to talk a little bit about what's in this book because it's so popular and because all of your white woke friends are recommending it to you. Okay, the book is crazy. It's filled with craziness. So there are several central contentions in the book all of which are utterly nuts, okay? There, there are basically, I, I would say, eight major problems with the book, okay? Eight categories, let's put it this way, eight categories of major problems in the book. First is the historical narrative that Robin D'Angelo draws. So Robin D'Angelo is a crazy person. 
She's a crazy, I mean, that's the only way to characterize this. She's a nut. She's a full-on nut. The way that she describes it, there, there are eight problems in broad strokes. One, it is filled with historical nonsense. Okay, she suggests that the history of America has not changed. For example, this is a direct quote from her book. Women were denied the right to vote until 1920, and black women were denied access to that right until 1965. Uh, no, black women were allowed to vote in 1920, just like all other women. Now, if you want to talk about the Voting Rights Act and the necessity of broadening the capacity for black women to vote, that's okay. But you can't read this book without coming away with the idea that black women were legally not allowed to vote in the United States until 1965, which is not true. She says this. This is, this is just an amazing quote. In some ways, racism's adaptations over time are more sinister than concrete rules such as Jim Crow. The adaptations produce the same outcome. People of color are blocked from moving forward, but have been put in place by a dominant white society that won't or can't admit to its beliefs. So Jim Crow was less bad than what we have today, according to Robin D'Angelo. Quote, there is a curious satisfaction in the punishment of black people. The smiling faces of the white crowd picnicking at lynchings in the past and the satisfied approval of white people observing mass incarceration and execution in the present. She's literally comparing people who attended lynchings in 19, 1916 with people in 2020 who are watching the workings of the criminal justice system, which is patently insane. She's a crazy person. Okay, so that's category number one. And again, the historical narrative matters. As I talk about in my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, if you draw America as thoroughly evil and never changing, well, then it is very easy to talk about destruction of the system, which, of course, is what she is talking about, which brings you to number two, right? Big problem number two with Robin D'Angelo's book. Problem number one is historical nonsense. Problem number two is that she basically labels the big problem all of America's systems. She says individualism is very bad because if you think of yourself as an individual, then you don't actually understand that you are a member of a race. So thinking of yourself as an individual is really bad. And thinking of others as individuals is just as bad. You have to think of them as members of race, which, again, last I checked, is actually the predicate to all of white superiority and racism, right? If you think of people as members of groups rather than individuals, that is a bad thing. That is a bad thing. She says, she, she says crazy things like this. Denying that we have few cross-racial relationships by proclaiming how diverse our community or workplace is, is enacting racism. Attributing inequality between whites and people of color to causes other than racism is racism. Meritocracy, if you back the meritocracy, that's racist. If you back objectivity, these are things she says, if you back objectivity, that the idea of objectivity is racist. Okay, so ripping on American systems, ripping on American history. She also talks about... Uh, Problem number three, she treats black people as tokens. I mean, clearly treats black people as tokens. You're seeing this with that white lady who's screaming at the black cops and saying, I can talk about racism. I'm a white lady and racism is our problem. Treating what black people as tokens is clearly a Robin D'Angelo thing, right? She, she says things that are just crazy. She, she said, perfect example, quote, I told my fellow white participants, this is at a meeting, that if they felt moved to tears, they should please leave the room. I would go with them for support, but I asked they not cry in the mixed group, that white women not cry in front of black people. I would go with them for support. They did not cry in the mixed group. After the discussion, I spent the next hour explaining to a very outraged white woman why she was asked not to cry in the presence of people of color. There is a long historical backdrop of black men being tortured and murdered because of a white woman's distress. We white people bring these histories with us. Our, our tears trigger the terrorism of this history, particularly for African-Americans. She suggested if a white woman cries in front of a black man, the black man's immediate response is to think he's gonna get lynched. She's a crazy person. Okay, she problem number four, she redefines racism as just whiteness, and whiteness is defined as being white in American society. She uses insane examples of racism that are clearly not racist, right? So she uses as an example of racism that's clearly not racist. You're at a store, your child points out a black person and says, hey, mommy, a black guy. And you say to your kid, shh. And the reason you say shh is because you're afraid your kid is embarrassing the black guy. She says that that is you silencing the racial discussion with your four-year-old at a grocery store because you're a bad, bad racist. Hey, that's another problem with her book. She also, I mean, it's just, it's cultish crap. It's just cultish crap. She said, this is a direct quote from her book. How can I say that if you're white, your opinions on racism are most likely ignorant when I don't even know you? I can say so because nothing in mainstream US culture gives us the information we need to have a nuanced understanding of arguably the most complex and enduring social dynamic of the last several hundred years. Okay, so in other words, the only way that you can be disabused of your, of your ignorance is by reading her book. She suggests that if you claim you're colorblind or that you celebrate color because you marched in the 60s or because you marched for a particular cause, you can't say that. If you say that, then you have taken race off the table. This is a direct quote from her book. If racism is not a topic of discussion between a white person and a person of color who are friends, this absence of conversation may indicate a lack of cross-racial trust. So if you don't talk with your black friend about race, it's not because you're friends and you don't feel like talking about race. 
because you're just having a good time and your friend doesn't want to talk about it. It's because you're a racist. Also, though, she says in this book that if you ask a black person about racism, then you are you're tokenizing the black person because it's not the black person's job to explain racism to you, which leaves only one person who can explain racism to you, Robin D'Angelo. This whole thing is insane, but the main goal of it is to make white people feel superior for interrupting the system and for tearing down the system. Right? White people are responsible. Everything is encapsulated in that one clip of the white lady screaming at the black cops that it is her job to take care of racism, not the black cops. And she has more to say about, the, about racism than the black cops do. That perverse attempt to self-aggrandize at the expense of the actual country and at the expense of black people in many cases is truly horrible for the country, but we are watching it apace. All righty. I'm going to do a deep dive, by the way, on Robin D'Angelo's book this weekend. I'll go through it in detail, so stick around. For that, also, I'm going to be here a little bit later today with two additional hours of content, and I will be back here tomorrow with much, much more COVID-19 updates and all the rest. So check us out over at dailywire.com and subscribe for all of that. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. The media get caught in another race hoax. Chaz Chop goes by coastal And Jimmy Kimmel gives a fake apology to the woke mob. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.